Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is John. I'm here with my brothers in Christ, Peter and Andrew. Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and your backpack, grab your compass and map, and let's get rolling. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, please uh, come help us communicate well and talk about the things that will uh, add value to our lives and everyone listening. Please bless our families and all those listening. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Yeah, so uh, tonight we're uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Peterson and the meaning that man has had for our lives. But first, we're going to introduce our brother in Christ, Andrew Ortiz. And uh, so, yeah, so, so before we get started, you know, it's kind of interesting that when we first started the man cast, it was John, James, and Peter. And we started it on, I think it was on the Transfiguration, which was kind of cool. And uh, Jim has to step away for a while because he's got so many balls he's juggling with education and work and kids and everything. So anyway, so it just dawned on me. Then we, we grabbed Andrew here and, and all of a sudden I realized, wow, Andrew and Peter. So, he, so Andrew introduced Peter, his brother Peter, to Jesus, right? He was the one that said, come here, man, the Christ is here. So that's kind of a cool thing. But uh, so, hey, you're, yeah. welcome. you're welcome, Pete. Thanks, man. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without you. <laughs> so yeah, tell us about yourself, Andrew. All right. Well, th well thank you guys for having me on. Um, so I've been, I've been following the podcast for a little while and, and trying to catch as many episodes as I, as I can. So um, yeah, it's so a little bit of background about myself. So I, um, I grew up in uh, Lorain, Ohio, um, and moved down to the uh, Columbus, Ohio area in uh, 2006. Uh, so I grew up in a in a pretty devout Catholic family. Uh, uh, we attended a predominantly Hispanic parish growing up, um, so I was really involved in the in the community and the youth group there. Um, eventually, I decided uh, when I graduated high school to discern the priesthood. And attended Borromeo Seminary in the Diocese of Cleveland and uh, went to John Carroll University for that first year. Uh, over the summer, between my, uh, my freshman and sophomore year, I ended up meeting my, my now wife. Um, and we have been married now for, uh, what is it, 13 years now. Um, and we have, uh, we have two, two little ones, a 13-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. Um, and so they are they are the pride and joy of our lives and they uh <laughs> they keep us on our toes all the time so um yeah so i a little bit of a little bit of background in my relationship with john um so i i attended the columbus men conference for uh, man probably at least the last uh eight roughly eight years um and john always had a a, a little booth there at the at the conference um, and had guys out there cutting logs and always the, the noisiest booth in the, in the men's conference. So, uh, oftentimes drew attention, 
And so I happened to stop over there one time and uh, introduce myself to John. Uh, then a few years went by. I had always had the intention of trying to join or uh, take part in one of the expeditions. And uh, there was a men's camp out that John ended up hosting uh, in the middle of, of, it was towards the end of the first year of COVID there in 2020. Uh, so we all uh, hung out outside for a weekend uh, with a bunch of, of other Catholic men, had a great evening, um, great couple of days, hard work, cleared trails, uh, just a great experience all around. So, um, so I continue, continue to be as involved as I can and, and attend as many as events as I can. So. Yeah. And the other thing, Andrew's done, a, he just, he's, he's the man who's put our website together, just done a great job for us. And then when I, some of you might remember that crazy 80 mile hike I took last spring, part of it, I, I was trying to walk Pete the end of the ground. I don't know how good of a job I did there, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, Andrew was put that whole thing together so that we did, we did this day to day report of where I was. And that was pretty cool. Andrew was the, the guy that was taking the information and putting it up on the website and, and posting it real time. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Following Andy. you step by step all the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andy, uh, he's been instrumental in the podcast too, really. Oh I mean, yeah. Like figuring out how to get the podcast to all the different uh, servers and services that people listen to it on and watch mm -hmm. it helped out a lot, man. Hey, I just set up the foundation. You guys do all the heavy lifting. Well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, we, if if it wasn't for Andrew, we'd be sitting around a campfire right now, you know, with like skins on and and uh, grunting at each other, probably. And I wouldn't even know Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Come on, man. <laughs> so so yeah, but uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Peterson tonight, and I think uh, Peter, you want to say something about our our mentor there. Yeah, um, a little introduction about just some information about who we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to read this off. Uh, Jordan Peterson is who we're going to we're going to be mostly talking about the 12 rules for life, which is a book he wrote. But uh, anyway, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson is a, prof a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, a clinical psychologist and the author of the multi-million bestseller copy. Multi-million copy bestseller, The 12 Rules for Life and an Antidote to Chaos. He was raised in the frigid and toughened wastelands of northern Alberta. Dr. Peterson has flown a hammerhead roll in, the car, in, in a carbon fiber stunt plane. He's been a dishwasher, gas jockey, bartender, short order cook, barkeeper, oiled Derek, bit rip. Bit re tipper, what is that? Oh, okay, it says re tipper. Uh, oh, plywood, re yeah, yeah, uh, plywood mill laborer and railway line worker. He's taught myth mythology to a physicians, lawyers, and businessmen. Um, that's from his biography on his website. Uh, so it says, I wanted to include a portion of Jordan Peterson's biography because it verifies a truism that holds that the wisest of men have diverse experiences in life, especially ones that include physical hands-on blue-collar work. Like many of the books used for wilderness outreach discussions, 
This one was recommended by priest friend, Father Peter M. Henry. Father Henry seated, stated the social engineers hate him. You'll love him. <laughs> Peterson's life story is about a man who grew up in a family with minimalist Christian beliefs, wound his way through agnosticism, and eventually found his way to the epicenter of meaning of Christianity, the cross. He did this by staying true to his passion and by staying true to his passion for understand the human person through his studies and career in the clinical psychology. He has become a beacon of hope and a truth for thousands disenfranchised young men and feared opponent of the whole radical secularism that controls the university academia. What is it that he professes that is so controversial and dangerous to the radical left? Okay, that's all from that. And then we go straight into the 12 rules. So he sounds like a pretty interesting guy. I could have done a better job reading that. I apologize for that's all right. that up a couple right. times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, I, yeah, so I'll give, a, I'll give a brief introduction of how I was introduced to uh, – Jordan Peterson's work. So, and I, it's kind of funny because the priest that I mentioned, uh, Father Peter M. Henry, uh, that's actually a um, pseudonym. Is that the correct word? It's not his real name, right? An alias. So he's he's written a book, but he he wrote he wrote a book called The Mentor's Handbook. But uh, so is that's not his real name, but you're not going to torture it out of me tonight because I can't reveal who the man really is. But Father Peter M. Henry, who's who's become a great friend through the years, and he's been on a few wilderness outreaches with me. He was the man who actually first suggested I needed to read about this. I read this guy named John Eldridge. And the uh, wild at heart and the way of the wild heart. So he was kind of on board early, early on uh, wilderness outreach. And then years went by and, and he and I would have these, we'd talk to each other oh, twice a year. And, and the question always come up, what are you reading? And we, we'd had, we've traded off some good books through the years. You know, it's, it's been kind of neat because it'd be something I was reading and, tell him about it. And next thing you know, he's picked it up, he's reading it. And so we're kind of feeding each other, you know, so, and it's kind of what's, what's been good with the relationship with father Henry is that it, and like a good brotherhood, right. We kind of nurture each other with these ideas and push each other a little further and kind of uncover new, new things, but we're always pushing in that same direction of, you know, this, this question of what is a man, you know, well, how did God create the universe? What, how is it that men and women are different, but we're both human and we, we complement each other? I mean, that whole depth of meaning is, is kind of like that push that, uh, that uh, we are on. We three brothers here and, and our extended brotherhood, kind of like that's the kind of stuff we think about and what we drive for. But so anyway, uh, he called me one day and I guess this is probably gosh, over five years ago. I'm trying to think when uh, Jordan Peterson published The 12 Rules for Life, but uh, it ended up um, the, um, uh, he called me and he said, he actually said, you're going to love this guy. The social engineers absolutely hate him. 
So he's running completely contrary to what the social engineers are saying, you know, and it's, it's like, so yeah, when I got it, read it and it's like, yeah, yeah. I was getting lots of good stuff out of it. Lots of, uh, yeah, lots of those moments where I'm feeling like pumping the fist, you know, I'm getting the goosebumps because I'm realizing, man, there's a man here that understands. Right. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. So it was in 2018. 2018, he published the uh, book. 2018. So I guess it's not as long as I was thinking. There you yeah. go. Wonderful. So, yeah, uh, Andrew, how about you? How, how were you introduced to? So, uh, honestly, my first experience uh, with Jordan Peterson was on YouTube. So I uh, happened to be scrolling through um, just some random videos. And the interview that he had with Kathy Newman was <laughs> happened to come up in the feed. And I'm watching this interview and uh, it just amazed me how he just, he, he clearly understood how to approach that interview and approach her. Um, he knew what he had gotten into and he knew where the interview was going. And he just, he played a very patient game uh, in his conversation and eventually just waiting for the, the moment that he could, uh, you know, he could kind of call checkmate. <laughs> and, and there's that that moment where she's just kind of speechless in the interview. Um, and so it stuck with me because I, I you know, I, it's oftentimes oftentimes we don't hear men who uh, speak as our as articulately as he does. Um, and he's very thoughtful about his words and, and his in, in his conversation. So um, I don't know. There's something about about him in that interview that really drew me uh, drew me in further. So started spending more time just looking him up and um, and seeing, you know, watching some of his lectures, a lot of his 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 uh, his college course lectures. Uh, and, you know, here I'm, I'm hearing everything that he's, uh, you know, that he's saying and I'm starting to, you know, you start to pick up on all these parallels of things that, you know, my, my, my parents taught me growing up. And it just he was just kind of reiterating some of the things that I, you know, were foundational to my upbringing. Um, but it, it wasn't common to hear that being said and, and being said the way that he was that he was delivering the message. Um, so, you know, I just continued to, to, you know, listen to more of his lectures and read up about, you know, his history. Um, eventually, I picked up the 12 Rules for Life book and, and started started reading through that. Um, so, yeah, that, that was, you know, my kind of my first experience with Jordan with Jordan Peterson and, uh, and the content that he was he was putting out there. Um, and, you know, I, now it's there's just a, there's a plethora of, of videos out there to to listen to. Um, and so I'm, I'm still a regular regular listener of his podcast as much as I can be. Uh, some of those lectures are, are quite a, quite a bit long. Um, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think you told me about Jordan Peterson, John, actually, and uh, that was my introduction to him. I didn't really hop on board immediately and start reading any of his stuff or get real in depth with it uh, until I think I got a book for free from somewhere. I think I got his new book for free somehow, like 12 More Rules for Life, and I told you I was going to start reading that, and you were like, don't. You have to read the first one first, Pete. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, fine. So then, <laughs> then I read the first one, and uh, it's been cool since then. I mean, like, I read that book really resonated with me, and then uh, 
a lot of the interviews, like you're saying, Andrew, a lot of the, his online content that's free is just magnificent. I mean, it's great. Like I have friends that are that don't have similar upbringings to anything Catholic at all that really just he just speaks to like the man, like especially the adventurous, like young, young man that's seeking more. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I ran into, uh, it was last year sometime, we ended up hooking up with a group of guys, it was on a Facebook group, and they were playing Frisbee out in Bexley. So just, you know, just a bunch of guys from all over Columbus just meeting up in Bexley to play Ultimate Frisbee. So we went out, um, a couple of guys here that, that live nearby, went out and met up with uh, with that group. We all went out afterward for a couple of beers, and we're just having conversation and um, and I hear, you know, someone behind me who happened to be with our group talking about Jordan Peterson and he's expressing like this, uh, you know, this profound change in his life that he had as a result of finding Jordan Peterson and reading 12 rules for life. Um, and so like just listening to his story, you know, he, he wasn't brought up with any real faith. Um, and is actually he was on the the journey of um, of you know becoming a, a Catholic. Uh, he was going through an RCIA program um, and heavily involved in a number of like uh, men's um, you know like uh, faith sharing groups at at he actually attended Ohio State so uh, was involved in a lot of those groups there um, and you know just a, a true conversion story. So even Jordan Peterson, I know a lot of people. Um, you know, they want him to claim that, you know, he's a Christian or Catholic, whatever. Um, he's through his, you know, the way that he's able to explain some of these ideas and the way the way to live your life. He's, he's bringing people to the ultimate, the ultimate realization that they need God in their lives. Right. And that God is what's going to sustain them. Um, and, and, and having that that strong foundation of faith is what's going to um, really lead them down the path and to the life that they, they truly want. Uh, so I think he's done, you know, he's done great wonders, especially with young men and helping them to come to that realization. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's huge. I, it, it's kind of a, one of the things I remember about when I first read the book, and I think it's in the, the front of the book is, um, he talks about this dream that he had and uh, he was, uh, he dreamt that he was in a cathedral in, in Europe, like one of the old cathedrals. And, and so part of this dream is he walks in and it's a cruciform cathedral. So the cathedral shaped like a cross and all of a sudden this force picked him up and took him up like a hundred feet in the air, right? And, and, and suspended him a hundred feet in the air. And he was completely terrorized by the, uh, by that, that dream. And as you can imagine, I, as a kid, even, you know, probably not, not too long ago, I, I've had dreams that like I'm flying or like I'm way up on the top of a building and it's like heights and I'm scared to death. And, and so, but while he was suspended there, so this force was suspending him, all of a sudden he realized that he was right at the intersection of the cross up in the air. And what he took away from that was that there was this deep and profound meaning to be found 
at the intersection of the cross, which in his mind he interpreted to be suffering. So where there is suffering, there's also deep meaning. So that's that's so it's amazing that he came to that on his own. Because that's truly a Christian principle, I think. I'm not sure there's another, you know, I mean, if you look around the world at all the other religions, I've and I've studied a little bit of them, but Christianity is really about the cross, you know, and the meaning, the deep meaning in the cross. So it was really, really pretty profound what uh, what he had to say about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I always find it interesting. He always, you know, he he uh, he really emphasizes the significance of dreams. Uh, I've heard several lectures of him talking about that and how uh, dreams can really help us to uncover uh, maybe some of the solutions to the, to the problems that we have in our lives. Uh, and I, I always wonder, I'm like, why don't I dream? I never dream like that, right? <laughs> why don't I have dreams of that, you know, that detail? Oftentimes, you know, my, my dreams feel like they're, you know, an instant and then I can barely remember any details, but he has such, such an amazing mind to remember all those details. Uh, I don't know. How about you guys? Do you guys tend to have dreams of that, <laughs> that nature, detailed dreams? I mean, I have some wild detailed dreams and I've had like repetitive, like traumatic nightmares my entire life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, not so much anymore. I don't know what it what it is but when i was young you know what i mean i've had a few that are just like like i still remember them vividly like i could describe them to you and then i have i have some like those and then i have like off the wall random like i don't even want to i don't even want to think that there's meaning in them because they're so random you know what i mean and uh but i know what you're talking about i think that um I think that's a, a real gift if you're able to do that because everybody dreams. I think it's just, I think they say like you just forget them within so many minutes of waking up. It's just over. Um, yeah. I don't know. What about you, John? Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's one, one of our wilderness outreach brothers. Uh, uh, he's told me that he's never remembered a dream ever in his entire life. <laughs> oh my God. And, I, and he's like, he's like, wow, that's really something. So I've had lots of different types of dreams from terrorizing to being terrorized to terrorizing other people to, yeah. like, you know, in battles and fight and dreams of like, I'm in a fist fight, but I can't swing my arms. Right. I'm like tied up in knots oh. and I'm getting, the, I'm, I'm getting pounded on. Right. There's nothing I can do about it. So I have all kinds of dreams like that. I've had dreams that I really didn't like, and I'd wake up in the dream and, and I, it's like, I would go back into the dream and change it. I've done that kind of thing. And it's pretty crazy, right? Like, I don't like the ending of that dream. I'm going back in and re reorder that. So I've actually done that. And I found that, and you know, as I've, <laughs> as I've gotten older and drawn more closely to our faith, I pray a lot. I seem to like pray going to bed, waking up in the middle of the night. It's like our father, you know, glory be, um, hail Mary, you know, the Angelus. It's like, I'm just like, it's almost like that's, that's my battle against the demons of the dreams. Right. So it's, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, Hey, let's jump into the rules a little bit. Right. So, All right. So before we jump right into the rule, let's just ask that random question. Is, is there a rule or two 
that comes to your mind that you kind of say, that's the one that really I think about a lot or meant a lot to me. And yeah, um, for me, it's rule two. It's, uh, it's, uh, I just read it. I don't want to say it wrong. Treat yourself like you're someone responsible for helping. Um, that one really resonates with me because it's, it's just like he says in the book, like you got to read this book. It's great. Um, but he talks about how like people feed their cats and like make sure that their, their animal gets a whole medication from the vet. And then like we get prescribed something from the doctor and like take it like twice and you're like, I'm good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Throw it out. (laughs) It's like, why? (laughs) So taking care of yourself like that. And then another thing that I don't think it's a rule, but something that he has taught me that has just stuck with me is, um, asking yourself the question when you don't feel like doing anything, it's like, what's something I can do that I will do to make my life a little bit better tomorrow right now. And that's, that's one that I roll with every day. It's just stuck with me. Yeah. Hmm. That, that kind of ties into rule number four, which is one of the ones I've, you know, that I, I, I oftentimes think about, which is, uh, it's comparing yourself to who you were, uh, who you were yesterday and not to someone else today. Um, yeah, oftentimes, yeah, like, you know, we all, we all have that, um, I guess that proclivity to, to always want to compare ourselves to, to someone else, whether it's on a spiritual level, you know, regarding our faith or on a, um, you know, six, whether it's a career or success in our careers, whatever that might be, knowledge, education. Um, and so I think like always reminding yourself that it's all about the incremental improvement in your life day by day. I always, I was actually talking to my son about this the other day as I was just kind of prepping for, for today. And, you know, one thing that they, they both are, uh, they compete in, in swim. And, um, you know, one thing that we would always say to them everybody wants to compare times to other swimmers and you'll have kids that are relatively new at swimming and some that have been doing it, you know, every season throughout the year, all, you know, all year long. And, um, you know, I, I remember talking to my son one time and he's, Oh man, I'm so slow. I'm never going to be that fast. I'm like, look, don't, don't worry about what the other kids, their times, like just focus on your last time. If you shave tenths of a second off, that's progress, right? Just stay focused on shaving those tenths of a second off your time. Mm. And day by day, before you know it, those tenths of a seconds will add up to a full second. And then eventually it'll be multiple seconds off your time. And if you stay focused just on, on that part, you'll, you'll be okay, right? Eventually you'll get there. And so I, I think that, you know, that rule, you know, very closely, I guess, matches that. <laughs> You know, the advice that I, 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 would, I would give them throughout the swim season is just making sure that they, uh, they focus on, 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 their, on their own uh, development as, mm. you know, as individuals. So, John, what about you? What's your... Uh... Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so there's been one that, uh, I've, I've, not to, to imitate Jordan Peterson here, because I'd be a, a really poor imitation of him. But <laughs> one thing that's haunted me through my life, especially when I was a younger man, uh, but that rule is always tell the truth, basically, right? So that's rule number. Yeah, tell the truth or at least don't lie, 
right? <laughs> I mean, it's like just shut up and don't say exactly. anything, right? If, 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 but what I mean, if you can't help yourself, then just shut up. You know, don't tell the lie. But that that's so powerful. I think. I mean, and it's kind of like it's powerful in everything that we do. Uh, and and there was a another. Um, Another man that I've read a lot of his stuff, and I've mentioned it on the the man cast several times, but Peter Singe and the fifth discipline. But uh, in that fifth discipline, one of the rules of the fifth discipline is just always tell the truth. And he calls it loyalty to the truth. Loyal, you know, and it's like, and when I was reading that, that whole concept of just tell the truth, I was working for a you know construction company, big construction company. And I was kind of the hatchet man. So I was doing, I was doing what needed to get done. And I wasn't always a truthful man in that process. And when I start reading Peter Singe's fifth discipline, it's like, I was like, man, Jesus just came and sat down with me and said, you need to start telling the truth, young man. And it meant a lot. And I did change my life. And it was pretty cool to see Jordan Peterson talk about that. But this, this concept of, and it, it takes faith, right? So it's like we live in a secular world where, uh, you know, I can remember a few years ago, we did an expedition for a bunch of uh, young men from a uh, boys' school in California. And one of the nights I was talking about leadership, and I, I asked them, well, how do you define good leadership? Just trying to get them to think about it. And, and a couple of them said, well, you you basically tell people whatever they need to hear to, to get them to do what you want them to do. And I said, you mean tell them anything? And he, they said, yeah. I said, even if it's a lie? And they were like, oh, yeah, whatever it takes, man. And it's just, I realized, no, that's, you know, so the whole idea of telling the truth, it's kind of the, the, the way Peterson thinks in general. He's thinking of such big systemic ideas, right? He's thinking way out beyond the here and the now into the tomorrow and 10 years from now and this whole cause and effect relationship and telling the truth is a big deal. And it's, it's a very spiritual, it's a, it's a deeply spiritual position, I think, right? It's like, because you can't always see that. There's so many times it's like, man, if you just lied, it would be so much easier or better. But it's like, no, that's so. So I'd say, yeah, that uh, rule number six, uh, again, no, not rule number six, but do not rule number five, do not. No, that's number eight. <laughs> eight. Number eight. Number eight. Yeah. eight thank you. Well, <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yeah, just uh, I, I was listening to a lecture not that long ago where he was talking about rule number eight. And um, one of the things that he was really uh, kind of honing in on was where people, you know, oftentimes we convince ourselves that telling these like little white lies um, are OK. And um, he's talking about how over time you start to develop a habit by allowing yourself to um, to tell those little white lies eventually the lies get bigger and bigger and bigger and you continue to rationalize those lies. So when he talks about this rule, you know, he means it um, that you should completely avoid lying at all costs, whether it's a white lie, a big lie, whatever it is, avoid the lies in your life and try yeah. to always be forthright and truthful in your speech. So yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 and once again, that's, that's a faith, you know, we talk about faith. That's an article of faith. 
-hmm. trust, trust that telling the truth is the right thing, even even when it doesn't seem like it is. And it's like, so I got to see Michael Pavey's joined us. You know, he's out there and uh, over over there in the Indianapolis area. So I'm going to ask Michael, if you're listening to us, brother, what, tell us what one of your favorite uh, uh, rules are. So you can put it up there on our, on our comment screen for us. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk about that a bit. So, uh, so the, the, you know, the other thing about Jordan Peterson that I think one of the reasons, let's say the um, social engineers don't like about him is he realizes, you know, the universe is like old. It's like, you know, it's like what, 10 billion years old. Right. And it's like, this 10 billion years old universe has an integrity and a movement all of its own. There's this cause and effect relationship that runs all the way back to the big bang and it's coming all the way forward and everything is related to everything else in that process. And that, so he talks, he kind of talks about that idea and the idea of hierarchy. And there's, there are, there's hierarchy in God's created universe. And that's sort of the way it is, man. So it's like, doesn't make any difference if you don't like it. Um, you hear the, I heard this uh, term again, just the other day, I was on Twitter messing around. Right. And, uh, and You're not uh, supposed to be on Twitter, John. You I know. know I shouldn't have been there. Elon owns it now. It's fine. But, but I didn't lie and I didn't go below the line, but I, I'd made some comment, you know, about, um, uh, but anyway, the, the, the term patriarchy came back at me. Well, patriarchy is this evil force in the universe that wants to control all women and, and subject, subject everybody and their brother to slavery and all this, you know. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, no, no, there's, there's definitely a, a structure of a hierarchy in the universe and the way it works. And it's actually virtuous, right? And it's, it's the way that it needs to be. So, uh, but it's kind of starting with, you know, so habit number one, which is kind of an interesting thing, like stand, you know what, stand tall, pull your shoulders back. Yeah. Right. Is that what he says? It is. Yeah. Move, move in, move out, you know, um, I'm going to grab it here a second. I'm flipping through pages. And it's really about, you know, having a sense of, of confidence, right. To, to go out, have the courage to go out into the world, take on the world, take on what it's going to throw at you. Um, and, and I think a, a part of it too, to your point, John, is like trusting in the fact that there are certain things that are out of, out of your control and you can face those things head on, right. Yeah. With that same level of confidence. Right. Yeah. It's got, it's kind of idea of run towards the battle. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's pretty cool. So, and, and the other thing about that, what's interesting. So uh, one of the things we've talked about in the past is this concept of you need to be thinking about what you're thinking about, and then you need to be thinking the right thing. So we need to program ourselves in a sense for the right types of thoughts. <laughs> Because when we program our minds with the proper thinking, for instance, like tell the truth, if we have a problem with that, but we start to think about it and we start saying, I'm going to start telling the truth. And then we pray, dear Lord, let me always tell the truth. So we start thinking about it and we start programming ourselves to move in that direction. And I think that's what his rule number one is kind of like that, right? It's like, you may not be doing your life right, but so... You, if you have an inkling about what you should be doing, stand up and move towards it. Right. Just like somehow 
I'm, I'm fearful, but I'm going to have the courage to do the right thing. So start thinking and pulling your shoulders back. And it's kind of like, what's that, that old term, fake it until you make it. <laughs> There's some truth to that. There yeah. is some truth to that. Right. <laughs> so it, it gets, I mean, it, it, that can be one of those truisms that's overplayed too much, but it's really like, no, this is, this is good stuff. Right. So you get, get yourself going and, and I, somehow he relates all that, uh, the idea with the lobster, right? He has that, that beginning conversation about, you know, the lobsters have a hierarchy too. Yeah. <laughs> there's like the big, strong lobsters and the smaller lobsters, and there's a hierarchy in that. And that's just kind of the way the universe works, right? Yeah. And he gets into like the topic of how like serotonin affects their behavior, just like humans, right? And that um, hmm. they... You know, okay, there's oftentimes, I guess, it, you know, I'm not a, obviously not a, a doctor, but I'm him talking about like how antidepressants, that, that's ultimately what they affect is serotonin levels. And so um, it, that's what ultimately helps people to pull themselves up, right? When they're taking these medications and lobsters have a very similar, they have a very similar psychological effect. Serotonin affects their posture. So when they're in the middle, he talks about like lobsters uh, fighting in the wild. Um, and the, the most dominant lobster, um, has that, that sudden surge of serotonin. And then he kind of takes control of the, of the, of the, the group. Right. And he's at the top of the, of the lobster pile. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> I just, uh, just, interesting. I, I always laugh when I hear him talking about these, uh, you know, I think some of it's kind of tongue in cheek, right. At the end of the day, comparing us to, to some of these animals, but, um, it's just it's funny to hear that you know we we behave similarly to uh, to a lobster mm. <laughs> that mm. we all enjoy to eat. So yeah. <laughs> so Pete, number three, what do you think about that? I think that's a make friends with people who want the best for you. I think that's some very wise advice. Um, I think that the alternate of this rule or the opposite is get rid of the people that don't want the best for you is also very, maybe even heavier, you know what I mean? Advice. Cause sometimes those people are the closest to you, which is rough, you know, but being aware and being able to see that and know that is very, uh, empowering. So like when I got like off drugs and whatever and tried to get my life right, when I met you, John, and when I was in the midst of all that, um, I, I ran into somebody that wants the best for me. You know what I mean? I ran into you and father Han and, uh, in turn stopped hanging out with a lot of people that, uh, maybe didn't necessarily not want the best for me, but, uh, wanted something else more for themselves, you know, and just know it being aware of that was a painful experience, but this rule kind of hits home with me too. Like all these rules are so good, man. They're so solid. Um, yeah, that's what that means to me. Yeah, going back in my life um, and struggling with these things too. So I, I can remember a period in my 30s, and it's kind of like a number of these things are tying together, like uh, what Andrew was talking about, about don't measure yourself to somebody else. Measure yourself to yourself for tomorrow, right? Yeah. But it's, it's so easy to become envious. You know, for me, there's oh, a period dude. in my life and so you got you guys are so bright and intelligent and wise than I was when I was your age. I mean, if if you knew me when I was your age, I would be I'd be that guy that you guys would say, "Get away from me, dude." 
nah, maybe not it. quite that bad, but <laughs> I can remember being in my thirties and kind of like envious, right? I, I was working for a big construction company. I had lots of responsibility, but my, let's say that my, the, the money I was making compared to the responsibility I had was like pretty, is pretty paltry. So and I felt like, wow, man, I could be working in a different industry. I could be making a lot of money. I was seeing guys with careers that were making lots of money. And so I started to kind of like be envious, right? So which is definitely a, one of the seven deadly sins. And about that time, I started listening to say some of these self-improvement type things. Like, I mean, even uh, I think this might go before Peter's, Peter uh, or uh, Stephen Covey and Peter Singy, but uh, there were some guys that like Earl Nightingale. Uh, he was one of those guys that, um, he, you know, you become what you think about. And, and there was another guy by the name of Brian Tracy who basically said you have to, and this was, this was profound when I heard it. He basically said, you need to learn how to celebrate other people's achievements. And when I first heard that, it was one of those things that's like, Part of me said, my right brain said, yes, John, that's correct. And my left brain said, I hate that. <laughs> right? I don't, I yeah. don't want to do that. That makes me sad and, and angry, right? But, but I knew it was right. So I started training myself to, tr first of all, and th th again, this is kind of like stand straight with your, do what's right, do what you know is right, even though you're kind of faking it. But I started like kind of, looking at people around me and like, that's good. Being glad for them, praying, thanking God that, wow, they have a great life, Lord. Thank you for giving them a great life. And it started to change me, right? It really started to change me to where now it's like when, when I see something good, I see men that are doing something, women who are doing things well, it's like it kind of natural now come, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. What, what a fantastic thing you've got going there, you know, regardless. And it's in that, so that's kind of that. Um, and it's part of that make friends with the people that want the best for you. Cause that's kind of, that's, that's really a, 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 a source of, I think, emotional and spiritual maturity to be, to celebrate other people's lives. Right. And there, there are people out there. I mean, our brotherhood, I think without a doubt, our brotherhood is like that the men in the wilderness outreach community, we're like, we're like all in on helping each other get better, you know, and, uh, get, and push on and, and, uh, make profound changes, good changes in their lives. So it's just, it's, it's such a great place to be right around men that really care for you and push you, Hold take you your, take you to task. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what else we have there? We got number, uh, let's see, we did number four. Oh yeah. Number five. Uh, <laughs> this you is, this two is a pretty good one. Have young, young children there. What, what's going on there with that? <laughs> what's, so what's I, that? What's, could, the, what's, how's that stated there? Andrew? Yeah. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. <laughs> <laughs> or for that matter, uh, don't let them do anything that, that makes other people dislike them. Right. That, you know, I, I, I laugh at this one because, uh, it, it's, it's very true. And it, he, he talks about, you know, if any parent is, um, isn't willing to admit that they at one point do not, that they, uh, that they don't dislike their children, they're lying. Uh, because there, there are those moments, right. Where you kind of, uh, you've kind of just had it. Uh, we've all had those days. So, 
Um, but I think it's a really important, it is a really important rule as parents, we need to ensure that we are, we are teaching our children the right way to, to live their lives, but also the right way to, um, to interact in their relationships with those around them. And I think we're, we're seeing, you know, nowadays we're seeing a lot of challenges around this, uh, this particular rule because parents are, you know, I think distracted. They're not spending enough time actually teaching their kids some of these fundamental, um, fundamental social behaviors that they, they need to develop uh, early on in their lives. And, and by the time they realize that, um, that their child doesn't have the, the desired behavior, it's oftentimes too late and it's mm. much harder to change that behavior. Mm. So I think yeah. the earlier that you take this this rule to heart in your uh, in your journey as a parent, the better off you're going to be. Um, so I, you know, I I I try to always remember this as much as I can. So yeah, one way I look at it is like if they're doing something that I don't like or that annoys me, everything they do anyway is a reflection of what I've taught them and how that they operate in the world, and if so it's the root cause of it all is me. So the problem is me in the first place. So I need to figure out how to fix this because I'm, I'm the problem here. And that's, that's a really bittersweet rule. It is funny until you start thinking about it like that. They're, they're a constant <laughs> reminder of your flaws. Like, right? Oh yeah. They are. You're I'm the reason you're like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and then that, that, that one that we kind of, uh, teased around with at the beginning before the man cast started what was that uh, rule number six you were talking about uh, earlier andrew yeah the one i was giving pete a hard time about yeah <laughs> so what uh set yourself in perfect order before you criticize the world um so i think this one oftentimes gets associated with you know clean your room make your bed um there is, there is oftentimes the, you know, and how about, you know, there's the, <laughs> the, the references to this in scripture as well, right? That, um, that before we, you know, I'm, I can't remember the exact verse, right? But, you know, before you uh, point at the, um, the splinter in your, you know, in your neighbor's eye, pull the log out of your own, right? Just mm. a, another way to say it. Um, I think there's, again, this is, this is a very true um, a very true statement. We have to ensure that we are keeping our lives in order, keeping our lives tidy. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we talk about eliminating some of the distractions in your life. And sometimes those distractions can be, they can be friends, they can be family, they can be any number of things, work. Um, so how do we keep our lives organized and focused on the most important things mm. that we, that we care, that we truly care about? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's uh, another part of that is, uh, you know, that complaining about somebody else's or something, something else is so easy to do. And we all do it to an extent in our prayer group this morning. We, we, we got in a little bit of that because we were talking about some of the political environment out there. Right. So and then 
And then another brother named Andrew kind of brought us back home, right? Okay, dudes. <laughs> it's like we've been talking about politics and we can't do anything about it. We're sitting here commiserating. It's not helping anything. It's time to get off of this and, and clean up our own room, right? And take care of the stuff that we can take care of, that we should take care of. So uh, Covey talks about that idea of the circle of influence and the circle of concern. So if you think about two concentric circles, so we're like in that very inner circle is the things that we do have control of, like cleaning our room and doing things that are make our life better and make other lives better as well. And then a concern, the, the next circle out is the circle of concern that we have no control over. And we just kind of people just tend to spend a lot of time out there. Well, you know, if the bishop or if the president or the governor or, you know, because we're kind of complaining about what they should do or shouldn't do. And we waste all this emotional, spiritual energy thinking about those things, which is really, you know, it, it doesn't help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, part of that rule, too. Some my mom used to say to me all the time is the things that bother us the most and others that we see are usually our biggest sense. So take a look in the mirror, bud. Chill out. It's like, all right, mom. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, mom. Thanks. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, that kind of folds into to number uh, seven there in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Pursue what is meaningful, not, not what is expedient. That's a hard one. I've struggled with that my whole life. I mean, I'm always like, all right, what's next? Let's go. Hurry up. Next move. Let's make some action happen instead of the slow, monotonous grind. And uh, I mean, you can correlate this into any area of life. Right now, it's coming together for me real well and exercise. Like I'm being consistent with my health and my nutrition in that realm. And uh, like it, it's just uh, it's not fun every day. You know, it's not great. A lot of the workouts aren't all they should be, but you got to show up every day to get somewhere. I always love Jocko's phrase, embrace the suck, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> if it's hard, you don't like it. It's probably good for you. Right. The truth, dude. Yeah. And it's like, it's so easy. You know, I'm thinking about this the other night and, and this is probably one of my, you know, I'll sit down, turn the TV on. And, you know, my guilty pleasure is to go and hunt something down on YouTube that I, and it's a lot of times it's Jordan Peterson video, but sometimes it's actually action movie, uh, little three minute clips, right? <laughs> Watch Jason Statham beat the, beat the poop out of the bad guys right? <laughs> or something like that. That's awesome. And yeah. No, and then the next thing you know, I'm watching another one and another one. And it's like, okay, that's really not very, that's really expedient and not helpful. And so I can remember at the end of the night. So I'm, I like, I like reading as a great thing. So I'm reading this book called the cathedrals, the C cathedrals in the wilderness, which is really a cool book. Uh, uh, Father Han had given it to me along with some of the pastoral uh, seminarians, and we're all reading it together and talking about it. It's about the the original diocese that was right here, the first diocese west of the Appalachian Mountains, which was the Bardstown Diocese. Have you, had you heard that, the Bardstown Diocese? No. Bardstown, no. Kentucky. Do you, is there anything about Bardstown that is sounds like it's something important about it? No. Nothing. Really? 
That's like the bourbon capital of the world, man. Is Bardstown. Oh, Bardstown wow. is the So it is very world. important. It's very important. It's very important. It's exactly right. But the first cathedral west of the Appalachians was built in Bardstown. It was like the fourth or fifth diocese in the United States. Now it's the Louisville diocese, right? But but anyway, now why did I get into that anyway? I don't know. <laughs> well, come, yeah, pursue what's meaningful. So I could, I should have been reading that book instead of watching the TV. Because I haven't finished oh. it yet, right? So I woke up in the morning feeling like almost like I drank bourbon or something, right? <laughs> but I, I had been expedient, so I had an expediency hangover that, the next morning. Is that what Jason Staten does to you when you watch him? Yeah, <laughs> gives you a hangover. <laughs> So, yeah, but that, yeah, doing what's in it takes effort. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, embrace the suck, right? It takes mm-hmm. effort to do the things that aren't expedient and are actually good for us, right? They, yeah. you know, it's, they, they make us stronger. So, and uh, so, yeah, then there, there's that number eight, tell the truth. We kind of talked about that. Oh, and then number nine, rule number oh. nine. That's a le- that's the lesson in humility right there. Yeah. Read it out there. Assume the person you are listening to might know something you don't. This one Can't is a true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, this one definitely is probably one of the more difficult ones I think for us. Um we often, you know, I know I find myself in this situation often, especially in my, uh, <laughs> in my marriage, in my relationship that, uh, you know, got to do a better job listening. Um, oftentimes, I, you know, I, I tend to be very, you know, the way I kind of approach life, sometimes a little too idealistic about the way things should be or ought to be. Um, so my struggle is always just taking a step back be a, be a little more humble, listen to another perspective and be open to that, truly open to that perspective. Um, that's a, that is, this is a very, you know, just a very good skill to practice on a regular day. Seek to understand before mm. you're understood. Right. Yeah. It's a tough one for sure. Especially with like a five-year-old that's like not listening to you and they just want to say something. It's like, listen, dude, I've said it eight times. I'm not going to say it again. But, you know, it's kind of, it's weird because on an intellectual level, if somebody asks you just like, okay, this is just a, a, you know, kind of a a question and it's not personal. If if somebody says, do you know everything there is to know in the entire universe? And of course the answer is no, (laughs) right? This is this, Probably just about anybody knows something that you don't know that might actually be important to know. And the answer would probably be, yeah, probably. But yet it's so hard to enact that, isn't it? It's kind of like it, it, or so our pride or whatever that is doesn't want to listen. It doesn't want to spend the slow down, spend the time. And and but yes, what's that's really important. Yeah, it's like you know, sometimes you get you get tunnel vision. Right. And you, you just see the tree in front of you and you can't step back and see the forest and being able to, like, recognize that you're heading down that path uh, in conversation or, you know, whatever interaction. 
and and practice the skill of stepping back and and really truly opening your your mind, your eyes, your ears to what's being said is like I say, it's it's I think it's a really important skill to to practice mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah. Have you have you watched those uh podcast Jordan Peterson's done with uh, Ian McGilchrist? I I think I did. I don't remember the details of it though. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. It sort of relates to this. So Ian McGilchrist is a psych I'm thinking a psychologist who's done a lot of study of the left brain and the right brain. Mm-hmm. And he's written some really good two really good books on that, that Peterson's talked to him about. But the idea of that the right brain is kind of the global part of their brain. that's seeking to understand what's really going on out here. Right. And the left brain kind of like, well, this is what's going on there. It immediately moves to a conclusion, but the right brain's like, well, just slow down there. There might be more information out there that we don't have. We don't want to move. So, and he basically said the left brain should be working for the right brain because the left brain is it all, all it wants to do is, is draw a conclusion and then start to act. And uh, so that, so that's pretty, that's, so the, the right brain is kind of embraces that idea of the right brain uh, is embracing that idea of assume that the person we're interacting with or speaking with might know something we don't know that could actually be really important. And it's so interesting, you know, we, we're all men of God and we're kind of taken by the majesty and the mystery of God's universe and but yet we we act in a way like so when somebody comes into our circle of influence or interacts with them, we should almost be like, wow, God sent somebody here. What's he up to? Well, you know, what's what's this about? Right. And so we almost should have that kind of perspective. It's like, wow, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, this could mean something this guy might have something or she might have something to say that like I need to hear. Right. This is going to help me out. And it's like, that's where we want to be with that. But it's so difficult to train ourselves. I think our left, so McGilchrist would say our left brain's trying to ratchet down to, you know, here, here's what, here's what's going on there. We need to move ahead. Let's, you know, uh, fish and cut bait. Let's go right, right now. And the other thing what's interesting about that, what McGilchrist is talking about, he's basically relating that to politics. And so McGilchrist is saying the whole left and I'm, I'm talking about the left as in the brain and left as in politics our left brain which is very counterintuitive to what we've always been trained to think so we've always been trained to think that it's the liberal left the progressives that are open-minded right ain't true ain't true at all right mcgilchrist is more or less proving that it's like the conservative mind is actually saying slow down don't move forward with action yet we need to analyze more we need more data don't take action until we know what the cause and effect relationships that's a very conservative point of view so it's actually very right brain which is really interesting yeah it is that's really interesting um that you know that we're able to correlate true like biological um indicators i guess of how you how you 
um, approach a, a particular subject or topic. Um, I'll have to go back. I, like as you're explaining that, John, I don't think I actually I've seen that lecture. Um, so I'll have to, to go back and, and watch that one. It sounds sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. There's a there's a lady uh, who I went the to uh, high school with. It's a, a friend and. Uh, she's been kind of following along. I haven't seen her name out there tonight, but uh, uh, she's she, she she I was I was kind of one of the people, I think, that kind of pointed towards a Jordan Peterson. And she went like right at it. Right. And she's like, oh, I love Jordan Peterson. So she's like and then I, I said something about this McGilchrist and uh, uh, poor Jordan Peterson interview. And she was right at that. You know, and the next thing I know, she's like bought McKilchrist's book and reading it. Right. So I mean, she's really going deep with this stuff. It's pretty yeah. neat to see. It's amazing. People... Like, it, yeah, it opens you up to all kinds of other things that yeah, you, know, right. maybe you would have yeah. never, never been exposed to other, yeah. other uh, scientists. And, and yeah, life is such an adventure. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. what an adventure. Yeah. So, oh, here's one of those. This is kind of a boring one, right? Be precise in your speech. Rule number 10. <laughs> it's really important. You know, say what needs to be said in the way that it needs to be said. Yeah, I, uh, there's nothing, I don't, I appreciate direct, um, direct language, direct conversation. I have never been one to, um, you know, it, it's just never, it's never a good feeling when you feel like somebody's trying to, you know, kind of beat around the bush and not get, get to the point or share the, share the news, share the information that, um, that, you know, they're ultimately trying to deliver. So, um, no, I, I, I think that is a, that is a very, a very good rule to live by in our, in our interactions. I think too, you know, there's an element here of how do we, um, how do we be more, how, how do we become more articulate in our speech as mm. well, and use words that have the appropriate meaning to convey the message that we want to convey. That's a difficult thing. I, you know, we, in our kind of in our 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 modern day language today, we've we've really kind of dumbed down our our language, and sometimes. We don't, you know, we don't think, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about, are you uh, like a person who thinks in words or thinks in images? Um, and I, I think when you, you think in words, you tend to be more articulate because words are, are, are more descriptive to you of the things that you're thinking about or the way that you feel. Um, so I, I think there's a, you know, there's definitely some value there in, in trying to exercise that part of your mind and, and try to learn new words. Um, and, and utilize them in your day-to-day -day language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that self-mastery of using words properly again. Again, going back to Jocko's thing, it takes work, right? It's like, it yeah. You have to, you have to be, um, you really have to be, uh, you have to be thoughtful and you have to be intentional about it. And, and that's oftentimes a difficult thing is to, to remind ourselves of, of being intentional day to day mm. about our, our, our speech. Yeah. I can't remember what Bible verse it is, but it's, it talks about speak their blessing and uh, pretty much, I can't remember exactly what it's pretty much like speak others blessing or don't talk. 
<laughs> I can't. I tried to look it up. I don't know what it is. Well, there's one there too that say the good things that men need to hear. Yeah, that might be the one I'm thinking of, John. Yeah, that's in the that's in our yeah, that's pretty cool. That's uh in the liturgy. Yes, it is. That and that's kind of like, yeah. This uh this next one's super solid too, though. I really enjoy this. Don't bother children when they're skateboarding. I think that this is like the danger. You gotta let kids be dangerous and also get hurt even when you know they're going to get hurt. <laughs> so this is another, uh, another challenge we have today is uh, the whole helicopter parenting that a lot of people subscribe to nowadays. Um, it's just not, it's not a healthy, uh, a healthy mm. way of raising kids. Actually, he, I, I remember one of the lectures he talks about how <laughs> he says, you know, in his clinical practice, he never had, anyone ever come in to his practice and say that their parents made them too independent. <laughs> <laughs> they all, all the people that came in always complained that their they were too dependent on their parents. Mm. So I, you know, I think it's important that we have to let, we have to let kids flourish, right? Mm. We got to let our children flourish and figure out some of the difficult things of life. Now we obviously want to guide them and share the wisdom, but we can't we can't put them in a bubble and keep them from you know making that decision or encountering some of these difficult situations in life. They just they're going to have to face them, and um, and and practice rule number one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stand tall, shoulders back, right? Yeah, I I think an easy the, the thing that helped me let go of like okay you're gonna fall and break your arm is just like maybe not in that context but like in the future my kids are five and almost seven so like right now I'm really trying to teach them how to like depend and lean into the Holy Spirit and be like okay is the Holy Spirit here right now is this something Holy Spirit am I supposed to be doing this and like kind of like growing that relationship with Him instead of anything else of like. Because if that's the question in the forefront of their minds, whenever they're about to do something, I, I have no worries at all, you know, either way. And even if they don't ask that question, they screw it up. Then I get to be like, hey, did you, you know what the Holy Spirit say about that? Be like, well, dude, I didn't ask him. Be like, worked out, didn't it? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I think leading with the Lord is a really good thing, isn't it? I agree. Yeah, it helps a lot. I mean, it takes a lot of pressure off of us as fathers and um, leaders in general. It's just like, I'm not doing this alone. I have all of all of this to help me. Like, I was really stressed out today, and I called my mom and told her, and she was like, when's the last time you went to adoration? It's Thursday. And I was like, good call. And I went to, <laughs> went to adoration for 20 minutes and sat there, and like, you know, everything that I wanted to get done today didn't, but... I'm good. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about any of it. Like I was before, as soon as I went, you know, everything was fine. I was like, okay, I'm just where I need to be. You know, that's really interesting. Cause that what you're touching on there is, is one of the, one of our programs we're going to do on masculine spirituality and the feminine genius and how we supplement one another. You know, it's interesting how a, 
uh, our wives or mothers or sisters, like when we're like maybe all stressed out about something or working on something, all of a sudden they might say something like that, right? When's the last time you went to adoration? It's, it's like completely out of left field, <laughs> but it's like, but when you hear it, it's like that actually makes sense. Yeah. In a systemic way. It's like, and that's when I think we, you know, as, as, uh, as husbands and, uh, you know, men who have women in our lives that care for us when we can, yeah, let that, when, when they, when they get that, they say those things to me and that's happened a lot with, uh, with Laura and I, where all of a sudden she'll say something and it's just at the right time where like, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that, but I need to do that. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of gets, brings us into that rule number 12 in a, in kind of a backdoor type of way, but appreciating the wonder and beauty of life, you know, pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. And it's kind of funny because when he starts that chapter out, he says, actually, I'm going to talk about my dog. <laughs> so yeah. He talks about the, his dog in the front part of that chapter, which is uh, kind of fun. But the point is, is like, you know, there's interesting things that happen that are just like, they're not like right on the critical path to success or adventure or anything, but it's just this thing. Yeah. Like, don't be busy being busy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. There's like my, my, I walk our dogs out at the high university Lancaster a lot every day, pretty much. And there's this Hawk out there and it's so cool because just about every day we walk out. This hawk will come out of the woods and fly over us and screech. It's almost like he's saying, hello, how you doing? Glad to see you back again. Right. <laughs> and it's just really neat. It's just like, I, I, it's like, he's an old friend. Right. And an another, this is kind of a strange one. And people would hear this and think this is really odd, but on our back porch, we have a bat who, who, makes his home on our back porch every summer. Like he's gone now. He's probably hibernating now, but he'll come and he hangs on a certain, we have cedar shingles and up, up in this area on our back porch, he'll hang upside down in that area. Hmm. And he hangs out there all summer long. And then he flies out from there and eats bugs and mosquitoes and stuff. So he's like, we've even, even given him a name. His name's Vladimir. <laughs> Vlad for short, right? Nice. It's funny. So yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right, John. Hey. Yeah, hey, we we came to the end of our time. Yeah, that went that went quick. It did. Yeah. Thanks for joining us tonight, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. It was gonna, uh, it was great talking to you guys. Going to have to do this again, so we'll say a uh, a prayer in closing here. To real quick, uh, do you want to do the? Uh, you you have any anything oh, coming yeah. up? You want to mention John? Yeah, yeah. So again, we've got uh, uh, December 9th and tenth and eleventh. We're going to do uh, a man work weekend down at the. Um, St. Martin de Poor's retreat house in the Hawking Hills on, uh, oh, right. So, and Andrew's holding the books up there. So this is going to be our, the, 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 uh, subject for the weekend is navigating the woke culture. 
for for uh, corporate men. So yeah, corporate men come down there. We're gonna kind of, and we're not going down there to like spend a lot of time in the our outside of our you know in our circle of concern. We're gonna go down there to kind of like let's talk about what's going on and how we can help each other navigate through this, right? Because we're we're men of the new apostolic age. And so we need to come together as brothers to say, well, ha- we, ne- we need to confront the woke culture in our job site, but we need to do it in an intelligent and strategic way. And that's sort of going to be the, the, what we're going to talk about. So thanks for grabbing those books. So, uh, yeah, great. And yep. uh, so I'll that's going to be going on. Then uh, December 17th is going to be the Advent hike down in Clear Creek. And I think we're going to pull the, trigger on a and i know we, we can probably get matthew back here when he hears what we're going to do january we're going to do a camp out oh <laughs> down, down in tar hollow we're going to do a like a man up winter camp out at tar hollow at one of those uh one of those shelter houses and he's thinking about time. he's thinking about coming to the uh the december 9th event so. oh good that'd be fantastic yeah, yeah, might be good there. to see him yeah. again be good yeah. to see him so uh Yep, and then, uh, of course, out in the spring on uh, Holy um, Holy Saturday, I think it's in the first part of April, we're going to be doing Carrying the Cross again. And then we're also going to uh, we're going to be doing an expedition with the men of, um, of the Newman Center and Father Streitenberger. We're gonna, I think we're going to Oregon. We're going to go down into the Rogue River Valley and do some work out there. So that's going to be cool. And then uh, also we'll be going into Wyoming next summer and then getting back up into the Sierra Nevada on the third expedition. So, yep. So anyway, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father, you helped Elizabeth of Hungary to recognize and honor Christ in the poor of this world. Let her prayer help us to serve our brothers and sisters in time of trouble and need. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.